This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Regional Roundup with Leslie Lopez, regional correspondent with The Straits Times on Money FM 89.3. It is 7.21 in the morning. You're listening to The Breakfast Huddle here on Money FM 89.3. I'm Timothy Go. We're going to give Leslie Lopez a call now because there's a lot of things we have to go through this morning. Malaysia could be gearing up to choose their prime minister at the end of the year. That's as talks of a general election being held is growing after two members of the prime minister, uh, Muhyiddin Yassin's party, said that it is gearing up for polls. Muhyiddin previously said that he would dissolve parliament and call for elections once the COVID-19 pandemic has come under control in Malaysia. But has Malaysia struggled to deal with COVID-19 for much of this year? So how might this be conducted safely? Well, we will get into that very shortly. In Thailand, there could be some good news for democracy protesters there. Uh, Of course, as you know, pro-democracy movement has swept the nation, which has been demanding an overhaul to the constitution. Could this be a win for pro-democracy activists in Thailand? Well, joining us on the line this morning is Leslie Lopez, Straits Times regional correspondent. Good morning, Leslie. Hey, good morning, Tim. How are you doing? I'm doing good. A lot of things, uh, very interesting things to talk about happening around the region. So let's get things going. In Malaysia, given that the elections in Sabah sparked a COVID-19 infection, a wave of infection there, how safe can national elections be in a pandemic time? Well, you know, clearly it wouldn't be safe and certainly not advised. And I think um, this talk about the uh, having elections is kind of old blown. It mm. came up from one report from Muhyiddin's small party and from an official within, with very little national standing actually, saying that he believed that the Prime Minister hinted to early elections after the budget. Uh, that's usually in the third week of October. Now, between now and then, there are numerous hurdles that the Prime Minister needs to overcome. You know, you've got the August 1 deadline for the emergency, which he's seeking extension. And there, there is also pressure from the royal households that, you know, that extension won't be given. Okay. So clearly, clearly, I think we wrote, I wrote last week that the meeting between the Southerns sent out some very important political messaging that the PM faces serious consequences should he ignore them. Actually, in, and I don't think we're uh, we in a constitutional crisis at this point. But, you know, clearly that's not very far away. The rulers were very clear, the sultans. Uh, they were only interested in parliament convening, uh, not any other political hybrid, such as an interim government or, you know, a kind of a operations council or a government ruled by elders and technocrats. I mean, what they want is that parliament to convene. So I don't think um, at this point in time, anyone is asking for for elections. And, you know, elections also under the Malaysian constitution would have to be granted by the Sultans themselves. So clearly, I think we're a bit far away from elections at this point. And clearly it's not is not something that's being advised given, you know, the pandemic and the health crisis is far from getting into, you know, a situation where the government has got its hands around it. 
All right. Moving to uh, a neighboring kingdom in Thailand. Lawmakers there voted to endorse a bill that could pave the way for a public poll on rewriting the charter. This is quite significant, isn't it? Well, it is. You know, it looks promising. But then again, here's, this is something that, you know, it looks good on paper again. And I don't think it does very much apart from kick the demands about redrafting the Constitution down the road. All mm. lawmakers and in the Senate and the lower house did was endorse a bill that would pave way for public poll on rewriting the charter. So but, they're just buying you know, some but, time. So, and precisely, you know, so precisely. But it's very unlikely that the Thai parliament would pursue any real changes. Some proposals, including like limits to powers held by the appointed Senate, aren't likely to be endorsed by this military-backed parliament. And most lawmakers have already rejected any changes to chapters concerning the monarchy mm-hmm. after the protesters broke this long-held taboo about discussing the, the royal institution. So I think here again, you know, it's, it's, it, it looks good on paper on first reading, pardon the pun, but you know, I don't think anything is going to happen. Uh, anything is going to happen soon. But, you know, what we'll, we will see is a return to public demonstrations this week. You know, demonstrations of uh, discontent uh, will be shown. I think people are going to return to the streets Thursday, mm-hmm. which is widely being talked about. So we'll see how things move from there, you know. It's fascinating how this political ups and downs and uh, turmoil in Thailand has been going on for more than 10 years now. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. Singapore and Vietnam have agreed to develop bilateral agreements on growth areas like digital economy, cybersecurity, smart cities, and even clean energy. Can you uh, share with us what are the agreements that well, have been well, agreed to? Well, you know, this is this is something that I think is extremely positive. The the region dealing with COVID at so many different levels of the spread, mm-hmm. the rollout of vaccines, and how severe it is from country to country. I think what we're going to see is things like this, uh, where countries start to participate in bilateral arrangements and pursuits rather than something more regional that will involve more than three or four nations. You know, Dr. Balakrishnan's visit to Vietnam simply underscores how Singapore feels that time time can't be wasted and this cooperation across a range of sectors, such as like, say, digital economy, cybersecurity, clean energy, and smart cities are going to be key in moving forward, actually, in this kind of uh, bilateral arrangements. You know, they signed a number of agreements during Dr. Balakrishnan's visit. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, and a lot of these things will, agreements will facilitate continued exchanges between Vietnam and Singapore and build on earlier ones that were signed, you know, as far back as 2010, 2012, 2016. I think what we, what we see here is that I think this ought to be a template other countries need to pursue and need to replicate, right. you know, as they try and get out of this health crisis in, in that, you know, you know, as you try and craft kind of an exit strategy. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think these exit strategies, the ones that have been demonstrated by Singapore and Vietnam, 
is probably something that you know needs to be needs to be replicated. Okay, here's something that uh, hit the headlines sometime uh, late yesterday. The Philippine President uh, Rodrigo Duterte, again in frustration, I think, in wanting to get more Filipinos to get vaccinated, is now threatening people with jail time if they refuse to be vaccinated. Now, could this really be implemented in the Philippines? Well, I think it's going to be tough, but, you know, and I agree with you, this is really a sign of, you know, exasperation on the part of the Philippine president, you know, trying to, he really wants to get this this health crisis. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, people refuse to be vaccinated, I think it can be very, very frustrating, especially in a country like Philippines. And, you know, we know the the Philippine president, he is so fond and in you know, a proclivity to to come up with these outlandish statements. It's very much him. <laughs> but, well, you're going to like uh, the guy I, for actually expressing yeah, what he feels, regardless of what I other know, people think, exactly. right? So. I mean, it, it's good copy you know, for all of us. Exactly. <laughs> Entertaining so, and something to talk about. Exactly. So, But the thing is that I think, you know, it's exasperation. It's going to be hard to implement. But, you know, sometimes, you know, you need these kind of stern school headmaster kind of mm-hmm. uh, headmaster kind of uh, dispatches and you know to drum things in you know to the ordinary people so it, it <laughs> also it really also it. brings the conversation back bubble up to the top if you wanted to put it that way because it reminds yeah. people that vaccination needs to be done in a country of over 100 million people it's going to take a I while think, right yeah. they predict yeah, it's, about it's going to, yeah. probably another 2 years before they achieve it's some sort of herd so, immunity you know, yeah. So the thing is that, in, but you know, you know, everyone's now these days. No one's talking about herd immunity because, you know, this in the COVID is going to be. People believe it's going to be endemic. You know? mm-hmm. So I think getting vaccinated is is going to be is crucial actually. You know? It is and something that you know everyone needs to do. Exactly. All right, uh, Leslie, thank you very much for your insights uh, this morning. Leslie Lopez, Straits Times Regional Correspondent, joining us here on The Breakfast Huddle. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.